0: This is the intro for episode 56 of The Lifestyle Chase with the one and only Meg Stevenson, founder of Novena Yoga. So I first of all want to thank you for listening. In this episode, we talk about all those things, that the mentors, influences, reasons for doing what you do, things that shaped you in the past. And honestly, it's, it's a good one so you should check it out i know how biased that sounds for the guy that's like hosting the podcast but it's a good one but like give it a give it a shot you won't regret it or i mean you can have your you can have your money back you can have your money back if you didn't like it get it all right thank you welcome to the lifestyle chase This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. Proudly hosted by me, Chris Little. Without further ado, let's get started. So welcome to the Lifestyle Chase, episode 56. I'm joined by Meg Stevenson. How are you doing? I'm
1: good. Thank you for having me. You're
0: welcome. So how did your day start like what what time did you wake up today
1: mm-hmm. so generally I wake up uh, at least by 5 I'm um, sometimes a little bit earlier but um, so I wake up at 5 on Fridays I get to enjoy a little bit of time at home uh, see my husband off get him lunch and get things going and then I'm at the studio by 7 so I start with the private on Friday mornings every Friday morning and then I teach a Pilates class I have an hour break which sometimes means I'm running to London drugs to get supplies or whatever back at the studio for a flow class and then I finish off with another private. Nice sort of, it's pretty quick and, and pretty pretty easy, but it's it's busy.
0: Can you think about a time in your life when you would think it was ridiculous to wake up at like 5 in the morning?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I came from, I bartended all through high school, or high school, sorry, all through college. Yeah. And that would be legal.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Just like, let so me go! I, I, I did <laughs> actually
1: serve when I was 16, but um, but people people delivered my booze for me. Um, so yeah, w- when I literally first started yoga, um, 9 a.m. was like an early class for me. And uh, that was a struggle. So, so now it's, it's totally reversed and it's taken years to get comfortable with that early morning, but I'm such an early morning bird. So even mm-hmm. if it's Saturday morning and I don't have to get up, I'm usually up by six at the latest. Yeah.
0: So what did your life look like when you were bartending, like at that time? Like what were mm-hmm. you were doing that to support school? So yeah. what were you doing in school?
1: Yeah, so I was taking psychology, uh, I have my degree in psychology and that was my initial pursuit was I wanted to work with children and, and kind of work in that um, in that role and then throughout that, um, attaining my degree, I found yoga and then I really fell in love with it and I just knew I was on to something with it um, to the point where I, I didn't even have the desire to finish my degree but I did um, and uh, finished that and then I just dove straight into yoga. I really loved it and I knew I was on that right path, but, but that was how I found it was, was dealing with stress and school and working and um, life looks very different now with, with that. There was a time where I was doing both bartending and yoga and that was really interesting to be into those two totally different worlds. Um, and I very quickly knew that I was ready to let go of that world for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: What would you say was your aha moment inside of a yoga class when you were like realizing that that's what resonated with you the most?
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was necessarily um a, a, an aha moment in the yoga for that specific. It was actually the other way around. It was an aha moment in the bartending world oh, totally. that I was just like, this is just not me, and this is not who I am anymore. And I was finding myself just in a place where I wasn't proud of. of what I was doing I was drinking during work and I was just like I really was just ready to be done with that and um, yeah so it was more an aha moment on the other end of like no this is I'm ready to let go of this because I really loved that route
0: I get that. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So have you lived in Edmonton like your whole life? Pretty
1: much. Yeah. The only time I lived out of town was I lived in Toronto for about 10 months and that was when I decided to go for yoga training. So I really, I moved across the country for 10 months, really dedicated myself to learning into the practice. Um, so I did have a taste of, of almost a year in Toronto, which I really loved. Um, but other than that, born and raised in Edmonton.
0: Cool. Yeah. What are your three favorite things about Edmonton?
1: Mm, River Valley, for sure. Like, nature. Um, Love that. Our community. Like, we have such a cool, I think, really hub of of conscious people in this community. So, I really love that. Um, Third thing about YAG Summer. Like, our our summers are amazing here. All the festivals and outdoor stuff. So, I would say those are my three.
0: Awesome. Yeah. When it comes down to... We're going to put this under the umbrella of yoga mentors. Mm -hmm. But if you could identify, like... Four people that really stand out to you, that changed how you do your practice or influenced what direction you took it. Who would those four people be and what what was it that stood out about them?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Well, the first, I mean, I have to give credit to Claire Newman. She was my, not my first teacher, but she was the first teacher that made it real to me. Um, very long story short, when I did move to Toronto, um, I actually after that whole cert- or, or that whole ten months um, didn't receive a certification. It turned out the school that I chose was not a very um, reputable school. Nobody ever did actually get certified, um, and so I, I found myself at the end of ten months coming home without a certification. It just defeated was like doesn't even cover it. It's an understatement. So I came back home and was like, I knew I wanted to do this, but I had invested so much, and I thought, you know what? gone this far, I might as well go just a little bit more and take a 200 hours. So the second, um, my school was really strict in Toronto, Like my teacher didn't cut her hair, she didn't do any of that, didn't shave her legs or anything, it was against that yogic tradition. Um, and so I really didn't feel authentic in that ability to be a yoga teacher. So I came back so conflicted, but there was just something so deep that I knew this was for me. And so I, I, I decided to go with it, um, and it was like Lion's Breath at the time when Dawn owned that studio. And, uh, yeah, Claire just, like, it was like the first five minutes, I was just like, no, this is it. Because here I saw this beautiful human being who was real and authentic, and she dyed her hair, and she was beautiful, and all of these things. And and then I just knew right away that this is something that I can do and be authentic, because she was, she was just, she made it real for me and really grounded it. Um, number two, the biggest shift for me, I guess the next shift would have been Baron Baptiste. They did a lot of his work and studied with him for a few years. I went to New York, went to Mexico and I really liked what he, um, there's a lot of, you know, kind of conflicting messages when it comes to his teaching, but I really loved his personal growth aspect and stepping up to the plate and I really, really liked that self-development aspect of what he did and, and really, Um, Liked and resonated with not so much the power yoga initially I did because I was very very aggressive in terms of my movement Um, That shifted over the years, but uh, I do have to give him a lot of credit in terms of um, he changed the way I teach for sure Um, Four of them in total. I really like You know I I tend not to gravitate towards certain specific instructors in terms of like I kind of let go of I followed him a lot and then I let go if I had to pick two more um, you know, I follow the work a lot. I don't really know, to be totally honest. To yep. so, like pick, I follow so many people, and I try to really get a well-rounded practice. Like, I mean, I can list off a bunch of amazing, but those are the two that had the most impact on me. And um, I guess I could say for sure, Vishva. Um, He's from India, and I met him here, actually, and trained with him there. And we had some interesting interactions where, you know, you really get to see people who live their yoga. And he's someone who, like, totally lived it and proved it to me in terms of our interactions when I was in his training. And um, so I really look up to him and and the way that he he shows up for the community. And um, if I had to pick a fourth, you know, I would... I really love, you know, people like Ryan Ryan Lear. I'm sure you've heard of him. Um, he would be someone that I follow a lot in terms of just the way he shows up for people and the way he shows up for youth. I really respect, um, and and I so I follow his work. I would say he's had an impact in terms of how I show up for the community and what my end goal is with a studio because I can tell his goal is way bigger than a studio, mm-hmm. right? So I would say I follow his work the most if I had to pick someone.
0: That's cool, and it's yeah. I like that you kind of like push through it and came up with your four people. Cause like I pull those numbers out of the air. I'm like, ah, four today, that's my theme. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. like when it comes down to aligning with people, mm-hmm. it's usually based on, on like core values and stuff. Like, so if you could list off your core values and it doesn't matter how many there are for you, but like mm-hmm. what stands out for you? What is like the things that people can't mess with those values of yours?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest one for me is authenticity. Um, that's a really, really big one for me. And um, you know, my other core values, like loyalty, i'm I'm really loyal to to my people, and I'm very lucky that I have that back. And um, you know, just having integrity with what you do and and not getting pulled into this, you know, how many likes are you getting and all of this stuff and just i don't care about how many likes we get i don't care about how many followers we have i just care that the message is being received i'd rather it be received by two people than liked by a thousand yeah,
0: yeah. so yeah that kind of resonates with me i don't know if you've seen my social media recently but i recently post a picture of me on my toilet <laughs> just, like, see that one. No. <laughs> just like a selfie on <laughs> okay. there it. it's just not it's not to be like ignorant but it's just like take it easy on like trying to always impress people because When it comes down to your true impact, Mm -hmm. it's going to be people that you can actually interact with. Like we, I don't have a bot that can answer thousands of messages. So it's not going to matter if I have a hundred thousand followers. Realistically, it comes down to the people that I'll see in my day-to-day life. Maybe, maybe it's people that I chat with online because I like... Like anybody else, I'll have a network with people that aren't a drive away mm-hmm. and I'll have them on my social media. But, like, really at the end of the day, when it comes down to, like, you'll see people, they take their break from social media, and mm-hmm. that that's great. But sometimes it comes down to the fact that they've allowed themselves to drift far away from, from their core values and, like, yeah. what matters. And so I just think, well, if, if I can do something as blatant as, like, I'm – properly dressed, hovering over my toilet, then people are like, okay, they're like, there's no question, this guy is not trying to impress anybody. Exactly. Yeah. and I think that's important because people need to understand that you can truly be yourself Mm -hmm. and you can actually have like a successful business while being yourself and you get so much more out of it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So what's something that you take the most pride in with your yoga business?
1: Um, that, that, that we are authentic, yeah. we are really local, because you know I went back and forth and had the opportunities over the years to partner with people, or franchise and things like that, and just none of it felt right for me. I, I just kept feeling like there was something different about my training and my you know that development and that psychological aspect that I really wanted to implement in the practice, and I just wanted to do it in a way that felt right for me. Power yoga didn't feel right for me. I'm, I'm very appreciative of what I've learned from that practice, but it just didn't resonate. Um, and I just, I find that I, I really like to do things my way and I like to play with that and, and, and not really have any parameters around what I can and can't do. So I always knew that I would have this drive to, to do my own thing. And I'm so grateful that I I did, but it's, it's hard when you don't have that, you know, we, we do tons of photo shoots and we, we put a lot of love into our social media to be real Mm -hmm. and to not be that curated. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some of it is curated, but but it, in the sense that it's all our instructors, it's not stock images, it's not, so don't get me wrong again there is a, a photographer and it is professionally done but, but it has a, a unique message that really resonates with the people who we are as a team and, and so I really think that it's something special when I just find like it really is from the heart what we're doing um, and we're not trying to just be this big box thing and make tons of money. It really is about the practice of, of, of the transformation of what yoga and fitness can do now. We've yeah. branched into that, right? So.
0: And I like how you talked about all the things of professional photography because like, I never belittle professional photography. Like really? yeah. Because there are people that are like essentially storytellers mm-hmm. that get to know like the values of the people that they're working with. Yeah. And so they can identify what it looks like to tell that person's story and it looks wonderful Mm -hmm. and it's going to help with that it's like if i had an australian accent Mm -hmm. and said the exact same thing 10 times more people would listen so if like des or chan or any of the edmonton photographers took my picture Mm -hmm. Like 10% more people are going to be like, oh, wow, like crystal clear. Like you can see his, all the pimples in his face, that looks really nice. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. It's right. like I could say the same thing, same message, yeah. and it's going to resonate. It's just about what thing you're saying and what message you're conveying. Yeah. Because if I was saying something like, I don't know, bodybuilding, everybody has to bodybuild it. Like I never say that. Mm-hmm. But if then I suddenly started to, and then I continued to say that, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be happy um, people that followed me and took my advice wouldn't be happy because it would be a means to no end Absolutely. so there is such thing as like having a very nicely presented authentic feel yeah. and I think we're, we're lucky to be in a community that have a lot of people that are able to deliver that definitely. Yeah. so I will pump the tires of every photographer every social media manager in, <laughs> in town because like they they provide something that is definitely valuable so, I remember with uh, the Yeg Fitness takeover, uh, you and your husband were featured on it. Yes. And the thing that kind of stood out to me was, like, just how honestly, like, separated in your days you were. Like, you, like, you go in opposite directions. Completely. For, like, most of the day. Most of it. How, like does that is that an everyday thing or is it kind of split through the week?
1: Yeah, it's every day. So it's quite his, his schedule is quite intense um, And even right now like he just finished a three-month night stint and we hardly saw each other for three months literally um, And even communicating was tough because I'm in bed so early and then yeah, so it, it can be a struggle um, But generally our days is yeah, we say goodbye at 6 a.m. And that's if I'm still at home often. I'm already at the studio. We say goodbye at 6 a.m. And then we say hello at 6 30 if we're lucky um, so it gives us a couple hours. Um, we really, it's hard. We both work really hard. Um, so we try to communicate as much as we can via text during the day. Just how are you? How's your day going? Or just, uh, hey, I need a, I need a, a, a hug over the, the phone or whatever. Yeah, you know totally. What I mean? Virtual, there you go. That's the yeah. word I'm looking for. So yeah, we, we stay connected that way. And um, we just really try to make the most of our time on the weekends. And we keep that space really sacred. Um, Sunday evenings we're always together and then we try we're really failing horribly to be perfectly honest at date nights and things like that so that's our goal over the summer Um, I've taken for the first time because I worked in bartending and then and then now this um, I haven't had evenings off since I started working so in the last 20 years I have always worked evenings so this summer we actually dedicated that that, you know he's back to his regular shift and um, so now we at least get the evenings together so that's been an interesting shift um, just spending some time together it's been so nice because we our married life has been pretty crazy so far
0: mm-hmm. yeah. and has it like it's always been like that like mm-hmm. for a long period of time or
1: quite a lot yeah because even you know even before we were married um, you know I worked so much in the evening everything's so split you know how it is in the fitness industry right you're seeing clients bright and early and then up until late at night um, so he has been one of the most patient people I've ever been with in terms of you know not taking it personally when I'm working so hard and, and and really appreciating that drive and that initiative and even even till like recently i can give you, you know examples from right up until last week where you know He's just so supportive and, and we both get that we're on a mission for something bigger together. Yeah. Yeah
0: So what happened that you two crossed paths like where did you meet? What was the moment?
1: Interesting question. Um, so actually uh, I worked a lot like I said, always. And um, so I had been probably a year single and a year where I hadn't really been on a date even. You know, there was the odd little coffee date and things like that, and, and um, actually one date. There was one date I was on before, but anyways. A friend of mine said, you know, you need to get out there, like you're young, you, you, know, you need to start meeting people. And I was just so focused on work that I'm like, unless he does yoga, I'm not meeting him, basically. And uh, so he said, let me set you up on a blind date no, 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 that's, that's so, and you know, the mental chatter that goes along with that, and I'm like, no, that, that seems desperate, I don't want to do that, I don't want to put myself in that position, and then I thought about it, and I was like, okay, hey, this is not, it was just all that tape playing, and, and uh, so anyways, I trusted my friend, he had two dates for me, and I said, you know what, I'll take one, and I'll go on one date, and what's the worst that I can lose is, you know, having one evening where it doesn't go well. Um, and yeah it was literally like I don't want to say love at first sight but I knew there was something there and um, he took me on a really nice date we went to the art gallery walked around there went for dinner at Zinc, and and that was my last first date like I never went on another date again unless it was with him so it was it was right off the bat we knew it was something special and it probably took like three dates before I really truly believed he was going to be the one I married
0: That's super cool.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: What are three qualities that stand out to you about him?
1: about him yeah uh, loyalty he's so loyal um he's super supportive and he is he's really kind like he really goes about even you know it can be anything like even if a friend of mine a girlfriend is over he'll make sure he goes and opens their door and you know he's just he's really he's really supportive and and the most like i said understanding guy of, of of not taking things personally when i pick work over over whatever else we had in mind
0: that's awesome yeah So have you traveled a lot like in your life? Mm
1: No, so I'm a big travel bug. He is not a travel bug. He doesn't like traveling at all. Um, (laughs) We we even were supposed to be yeah on a trip right now, but we just decided we had some passport issues and and uh, so I really love travel. I love going to places where I need to learn how to say hello. I love the culture. I love all of that. He is not as wild about it. He loves you know taking trips and taking breaks, um, but he he kind of sticks closer to home. Um, So when we did when I left, I left for three months and I think I told him that on date two because I really I knew there was something there and I didn't want to be held back from this dream of traveling for a few months so I told him right away that you know I'm going to be going away on this trip I'm going to be traveling to a few continents so hopefully that doesn't change anything but that's happening Um, so it took a little longer because we did fall in love and and didn't want to go for a while but anyways I did and he met me in India so that's a pretty big stretch
0: yeah no kidding
1: So I still remember the day I told him I was going to stay at the hotel and and I did and I went to surprise him. And even that had some panic because it was like, crap, like, I don't even know what I just did. How am I going to find him? Like, it was crazy. So I had this sign for him and I remember seeing him come out of the airport just like, holy, right? Like, people everywhere. And I just remember seeing him and, and I was just so grateful that he came to visit with me. India wasn't his favorite place for sure, but we did finish off in Australia and he really liked that. Um, but I think there were certain things that he appreciated about India. I mean, I don't think he'll ever go back there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was really a, a testament to how much he cared to, to support. I think truthfully he came because he didn't want me to be there alone, but that's okay too. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it, it was good. That's so super cool. Something that we're working on in terms... I, I've accepted the fact that I might be going on some trips myself and, and traveling a little bit alone once in a while because it's not really his thing. But mm-hmm. but he's really good about about taking some time because he works so much too and we have to take that break, right? Yeah. But I love traveling. So one day I'll incorporate a little more work into that, right? And, yeah. And then that takes me around the world.
0: I think that's the cool thing about like the yoga world mm-hmm. is because it's so conducive to travel. like. Absolutely being a trainer is not much different. There's seminars all yeah. over the place. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's neat because you're, when you're in the fitness industry, it's not because you're looking to make money. Mm-hmm. Not to say that you can't, mm-hmm. but it's just thats that can't be your motivator Yeah. or else it just won't work. Yeah. And it's just helpful that you can build in like the seminar costs and all that stuff. And Absolutely. like sometimes you can claim aspects of that to make it so that your work is kind of your play mm-hmm. and target it so that the specific things that you're going to do are people that like make you feel better. Absolutely. Like I went to a fitness summit and I talk about it so often, but that just alludes to how cool it was mm-hmm. because I'm someone who just, I think people first, people first. I get pissed off when I hear about like, Coaches that are thinking here, we're going to make you make more money. And I'm like, well, yeah. I want to be better at, at like being a trainer and a better human. So can you, can you help me with that? So like, that's who I seek out. And then this summit was full of people yeah. that are of the same mindset, people that could help me and people that had something to offer. And then I met them and I learned things and now they're my contacts. And yeah. that's just like, that's what I gravitate towards. Mm-hmm and it's not to say that a person that wants to build a successful business with multiple locations needs to do what I do cuz they're going to have their thing. Yeah. But it's like the options are out there to find your fit. Totally. Just like there's all the different kinds of variations of yoga. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to my next question. Yeah. What is your favorite way to do yoga? My favorite way to and what like, like like do you like or to or do
1: style?
0: this style I guess. Style? Yeah. Style?
1: You know, I don't know if I really have a favorite anymore. Like I used to have a certain way. Um, it's so different because my yoga changes like every day. Some days it's really restorative and it's what I need. My my focus now is more so on trying to slow down. Um, so I got really, really fascinated with yoga nidra for a while and I really like that. Um, but I also am still like, crave that physical movement as well. So I really couldn't say I have a favorite. Um, I go through phases in terms of what I gravitate towards more Um, but then I also pay attention to that pattern because then usually what we resist is what we need the most right so if I'm really gravitating towards yoga nidra I probably should get my butt in a plank once in a while you know and and work that a little bit yes so I I really love all yoga there's not much yoga that I don't like again power yoga I'm not into the fast yoga that's the only thing um hot yoga is definitely not my thing I taught that for many years um so I just like real I I don't like seeing mirrors I don't want to see what I look like in it I just want a space where I can be myself and and enjoy the connection with movement and breath whatever Mm -hmm. that looks like in that day
0: yeah yeah I'm a big fan of like the slow sleepy yoga. Mm-hmm, yeah. like I'm pretty sure at least once I fell asleep at Navina Yoga when Yag Fitness went there. And nice. that was that was the first studio that I fell asleep in. Nice. And I have since fallen asleep in many others around the yeah. city. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's kind of a compliment really. Yeah,
0: well it's, it's just like that's if you're finding your inner peace and mm-hmm. it, you shut your eyes and then you're just shut down, great. Like yeah, it's a beautiful thing. That means yeah. that the person's voice was like calming and they said the right things and you're getting your reset that you came there for. Exactly,
1: yeah. Yeah, and it just means you, you need more rest, right? It's a good good indication that, it's yeah, it's that like... if you're falling asleep, and it's not a bad thing, it happens all the time. Yeah. Uh, people even snore sometimes. Like, I, I literally don't think I got through a yoga. I still fall asleep to this day when I do yoga nidra. I have to prop myself up a little bit because if I put my body in that horizontal position, it's like that message, okay, you can close your eyes and you can sleep, right?
0: Well, I like how instructors will be like, in order to not fall asleep... Grab one of these to to prop yourself up. I'm like, no way. I want to fall like, asleep. Like I came for a reason. Airport. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like, awesome. It's like the most chillest nap ever. It's got the music I like totally and yeah. comfy floor. Yeah. yeah,
1: I love I love that style for sure.
0: <laughs> so thinking back to your high school experience, because I find that it kind of tells the story of a person's like mm-hmm. origin story. What kind of a kid were you like? What clique did you fall into? Mm-hmm. What class did you like?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So when I was young, I, I was a dancer for most of my life and really loved dancing. Um, so I did that. That really took up most of my extra time when I was young, young. Um, I did all kinds of different styles. And then when I got to 15, I that's when I got my first official job. Uh, I played basketball in junior high and high school and I really loved basketball. Um, And so it was when I was 15 that I that I chose to choose work in basketball and let go of dancing Um, And that was really tough for me. It really becomes part of your life when you're really in it so much. So that really um, Really kind of shaped my childhood a lot. I I was in lots of competitions and things like that Um, and then when I quit that You know, I never didn't like school, but I didn't really like it, you know what I mean? I I didn't excel at it, I had to work really hard at it. Um, even all through my degree, I you know I really had to work hard to retain all that information. I had color coding processes. I had all of these things. so I, I didn't really like school. Now I love it and I love learning, but it just wasn't there for me. I was ready to work and I was ready to move and, and I really just wanted to achieve things, I guess, like I was really driven right from that 15 age or age 15. Um, I had, A really close group of girlfriends that I'm still grateful to say that we're still friends so they were my heaviest influence Um, I had one person really outside that circle that I spent a lot of time with um, and he was my best friend pretty much all through high school so I spent a lot of time with him Um, and he was a really funny guy, so he kept me really like lighthearted and, and, you know, I had a lot of fun with that, but, but for the most part, those girls were our, were our our solid crew and and they were pretty much the most that I spent my time with. Yeah.
0: So is there anybody in your life that like, no matter what's going on, you have to keep in touch with them like weekly Mm -hmm. or anything like that?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, up until probably two years, well, no, more than that now, we were really good at, like, we met, like, almost once a week. It was crazy until our 30s. Um, and then once we hit our 30s, we started to, you know, everybody was now on kid two or even kid three. And and so the beautiful thing about our friendship is that, you know, we can we can meet now maybe once every two, three months really is, is, is a more realistic number that we see each other. And it's just like we didn't skip a beat, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's nothing taken personally. We all have our own lives. Um, We know that if we need each other, we're there for each other in a heartbeat. But, um, yeah, it, it's an interesting, interesting thing. We, we, there's no question. It's not a time thing anymore. It's just that we, we do have to see each other. So we have to work at it a little bit more now because before, you know what, the summer will be over. But, um, it is really interesting because I find too much. We rely now on social media, like, oh yeah, I know what's going on in your life. And that's like, yeah. no, you don't.
0: Exactly. You have
1: no idea. You're seeing those highlights and I'm really happy for you of those things. But really, how are you? What's going on in your life? And that's where we, we take for granted that, oh, I know what's going on in their world. No, we don't. You know? So it's it's taking that time to connect and really, like, ask, like, how are you? So I'm getting better, trying to get better at that with some of my friends, um, and, and really just connecting because it, it's going so fast, and it's so busy. And I'm, I'm seeing these kids now. They're kids. Some of them are nine years old. It's crazy. You know, they're growing up so fast, and we're missing a lot of that. So So it's just connecting on a regular basis is... A commitment it's challenging and that's silly almost you know yeah we're so busy all the time so so trying to take that connection of really like no how are you what's going on
0: yeah yeah sometimes I like to just uh throw something at a person like hey what are you doing this week mm-hmm. do you have time and like it I'll have like a, a thought that maybe this would be a great time for them to to meet up for a visit yeah but maybe I'm wrong. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Like maybe they don't need to visit with me, but I'll visit with them anyways. Yeah. yeah. And it's just cuz what what what's going to go wrong if you're wrong? Mm-hmm. What if they were like just saturated with social engagements that week? Who cares? Yeah. Because if they weren't, they needed that. Totally. And unless you try, like it's it's not going to happen cuz for myself, I just I post a lot on social media, Mm -hmm. and you hear about the pushback. If you're like, hey, I had a really rough day. Like somebody's gonna be like, I'm gonna need you to tone it back with the with the sad posts, man. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I was sad that day. It's like people are gonna think you're like the boy who cried wolf, and it's like yeah, and it makes sense. Yeah. Because we're in a world where that people will use that as their fishing hook, Mm -hmm. and like. And I'm rolling out my new program, a uh, group, group, uh, exercise program. Since everybody's here now paying attention yeah. is yeah. like, yeah, like you can't, you have to have your network of people, the close friends mm-hmm. where you know how to communicate with them. Yeah. Like that's something that I've really valued in my own life. Mm-hmm. Whereas like I have like, I don't know, like my, MySpace top 10, like my, my people, That I just, I know that I can be just blunt, honest with like, Hey, like six clients canceled this week and only have this many or like what, something like that, where it's like, this is when the shit has hit the fan. Mm -hmm. And this is me telling you that the shit has hit the fan. And it might just be that I have to tell you, Mm -hmm. but here I am, please answer. And like, if, if you've identified your people, Mm -hmm. then you can actually like push forward. And that's just, it's so valuable to people. So like yeah. when I talk about that on the podcast, like I, I hope people listen mm-hmm. because it's, it's uh, it is an investment. It is something it's like going to the gym and lifting, except instead of like a barbell, it's spirits. You're lifting people's spirits Absolutely, yeah. and it's like, it's not necessarily like we're always doing it for others. It's sometimes it is strictly to identify our needs. Mm-hmm when because I kind of feel like everybody hits their ups and their downs and if you can assess okay um, this isn't a sad time and you know who helps you then you go and you seek them out because sometimes that's what you got to do absolutely and on the topic of the ups and the downs because Mm -hmm. we need to address these things in our life like what what is a time when it was just like really really tough for you
1: Um, So I would say recently, the hardest time actually for me was uh, the second year that we were open. Um, So just a year ago was probably the lowest point that I've been in a long time. And it's interesting because people would ask, you know, like, how's the studio doing? How are you doing? And when I would say anything less than great, people would be like, what? Like, what do you mean? Life's not amazing right now? Like, what do you mean? And it was it was just like I would have this honest answer of like things are tough right now. Things are hard It's hard to build a brand. It's hard to get your name out there And people would just not understand and it was like they almost didn't want to hear it They're like, oh, okay Well, and you could feel that immediate shut and it's like, okay So if I'm not pretending or I have to pretend to be always happy always this otherwise I'm only received a certain way and I found last year really challenging because you know you're you're following it really is a roller coaster like this whole entrepreneurial journey journey right you know when you I think it's interesting when we're positive minded people that we feel like we always have to find the positive in things and sometimes we have to feel the shit and we have to feel those feelings and we have to feel you know what's going on and honor that other than repress it right because we we really do kind of no, we're okay. okay. I, I know better, right? I know better. Or even just like, we're so privileged as, as to where we are in the world. We should never be unhappy. And it's like, no, you're real. You're human. And we all have to go through these things. Um, so last year, I think truly I did a lot of personal work with it as to like, why is this happening? I'm following my dreams. And you see this, we weren't at the success part yet, but you see this with super successful people that are, you know, depressed or even worse taking their own lives. And so I really did a lot of personal work, and I found that everything I did was just about serving my team, my community, my students, my everything, and the more I put the priority about building that, because there was definitely a level of guilt, if I was sitting at home, I was like, I should be working on something, I should be doing something, Um, the more I made other people a priority, subconsciously I didn't realize how much I was degrading my own self-worth, and I didn't really realize it until I found out that I had none left. And I was so down in the dumps last year. It was about a year ago. It was actually literally probably about a year ago now. And I just really, I couldn't get myself together. And I knew I was on a really bad path. So I started making the commitment of just coming back to what I preach and taking time for myself, taking breaks. I'm getting better at that. I'm still working at that. But um, that was like the worst, the hardest, you think. You know, year two, because year one was all this adrenaline. And you're just on the high of like, this is my space. Every time I came in, it was so exhilarating, right? Um so last year was definitely the hardest for sure. Um aside from like losing people in my life and, and people like that. That was that was the hardest.
0: It's crazy. And like I I have experienced that whole like, oh so how's business doing? You're killing it, you're killing it. it's like, well you know like uh cancellations, mortgage still happens though, and car payments. Totally, and it's like right? and like the funny thing and maybe not funny, but it's just like you know the expression "trust the process." Mm-hmm. If you're like really good at trusting the process, and you have to have like some crazy courage to actually full on commit to it, 100%. but it it does work out. Mm-hmm. Like it's basically if you doubt yourself, then it kind of in it. Uh, I guess it manifests failure in a way.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and we don't realize that self-talk of how important it is, and we don't even realize how much it limits what we do, right? Or limits our ability to even, like I said, when I was coming here, I almost felt a little nervous. Like, oh my goodness, what am I going to say? Who wants to listen to me, you know? Literally, and there, there's, there's those thoughts that come up into our mind. And, and so it really is important that we, again, honor what's coming up, but really come back to who we are, because it, it is all there, and we have lots to offer, but we, we, that voice is very harsh.
0: Yeah. Very harsh. I always laugh, especially when people, like, they sit down and they're like, I just, I just don't know who wants to listen to me. Because I'm like, you just watch. I'll launch this thing and it'll probably get more than the average amount of listens. Absolutely. Because it's people, people that others kind of see on this pedestal are often the hardest on themselves. Mm-hmm. Totally. And we forget it time and time again. Yeah. Like... Professional athletes, leaders of companies, like really, really successful people, Mm -hmm. are hard on themselves. We see it in actors, we see it in musicians, and we just, we're forgetting because we just think about the good times or we think about what what is in the public eye. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you almost have to take it and internalize that so that you can realize that. When we are feeling Mm self-doubt, we're no different than anybody else. And when we're failing, we're not the first person to ever fail. Exactly. Like when we're we're feeling like dumb about something, I'm pretty sure everybody's felt dumb about something or made a mistake.
1: It taps into all those limiting beliefs, right? Yeah. And that's what we really try to teach like with our yoga in that development sense is that like our mind just gravitates towards this all-or-nothing approach, right? So it's like as soon as we feel self-doubt that is like completely embodying everything we do and we're questioning everything but you know you can you can feel fear and courage at the same time it's just a matter of like learning to play with that and and like recognize what's going on and tap back into yourself so that you're not letting that limit you because I think that we are we're so limited by our thoughts because we we listen to it and we accept it as true whether we're aware of it or not and I wasn't aware as to how much I was downgrading my own worth by just putting myself out there for other people right and there's there's a lot of power in, in Saying no, I need that time for myself mm mm-hmm. that and you literally are like giving yourself that time and that reassurance that you're worth it Really that you're worth that time and, and that you are enough, but it sounds so silly But you have to keep coming back to that because we get so caught up and then again social media we look at these highlights and we feel like we're doing good and then we're like, oh, well, I'm not doing that or whatever, right? Yeah. It pulls you right out of that space. So so it's really important.
0: Totally. Yeah. And like, I guess the authenticity part comes back because sometimes, sometimes I'll think about, you know, some people seem to not really resonate with messages that I put out and it's like, oh man, like, did I, did I say something that upset somebody? Mm -hmm. But then sometimes it could be just because of my style of kind of encouraging people to better themselves, it could be like causing them to think of what, what are they doing? Why can't they do that? But then it's, they're not understanding that I have to push that because I am truly manifesting my own Mm self-development. That if I wasn't so like, I started out as someone who worked in a job where I didn't work with people like it was a warehouse job and like I know I bring that up a lot but it's just everybody has like their their starting off story everybody yeah. started as someone different than what they are today even even if they were kind of on the same trajectory like some people they know from age 16 that they were going to be a teacher mm-hmm. and then they're like in their 30s and they're still a teacher but they still had like their highs and their lows mm-hmm. and like, unless, unless you're able to identify what, what allows you to push forward, yeah. then you can't push forward. No. So, I know, like, I know I have to surround myself with very specific, particular style of people mm-hmm. that sort of vibe with what I think. Mm-hmm. Because if I ever don't, then that is a pushback for me. But being able to know that and be aware of that is pretty, pretty special.
1: Wow, the awareness is the first key,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it brings the importance of community and everything like that. And I know with, uh, Navina, you guys have a very good community in the sense that, uh, it's always looking towards like the, the greater purpose, the greater good. Yeah. If you could identify like a moment or time or event that you thought wow, like we really did something special, what What would that time be?
1: Uh, no question that that first one was the first piece in the park. Um, so that was in my travels. Uh, I was I finished my travels in Africa and in Kenya. And there's this great organization called the Africa Yoga Project. So I became an ambassador for them. And within that um, acceptance, I, I, I committed to raising $10,000 for this organization. And essentially that became my room and board while I was there. And... And so that's how Peace in the Park actually started, was it was all about this development of um, creating peace for yoga. So when I had it, I remember the first year we had it at Luis McKinney Park, and my goal was you know, to raise as close to 10,000 as I could within it, and then I, I, I did a lot of bottle drives and all that kind of stuff to make up the difference, but long story short, here I am with my own mission to help something way across the planet, and the amount of people that showed up with such love, and continue to now, um, with that event, I just right away was so touched by something that people would be so supportive for something that has nothing to do with them, It has nothing to do with our community um, in terms of Edmonton and, and Alberta. Um, so they were so supportive and just so helpful that I was so moved, I, I had to hold back tears that whole time. Um, namaste, literally, I was literally tearing up because I just couldn't believe how many people showed up for supporting my mission. So I committed that year that every year we're going to do this but support locally. Um, So there was no question that that shift and then the way that AYP actually operates their business has has really inspired a lot of why we do what we do for the community.
0: That's awesome. Mm -hmm. And as someone who is sort of like the leader in your yoga community, you would have probably seen a lot of people come into the community and leave the community or sometimes they enter as, as one kind of their they present a certain aura or energy mm-hmm. and then it completely changes mm-hmm. can you tell about an experience where you just were completely floored by by a change that happened witness like witnessing yeah yeah it?
1: um there's a, quite a few i have um but there's that light that literally you experience in anything in the fitness world um that realization of Feeling or that, that realization that you are able to do something that you didn't think you actually believed that you could do. Um, one of the, the biggest um, examples that I have was when I was teaching 40 days, this was probably almost 10 years ago, because it was at the studio in Terwilliger, and um, there was this lady who, she was probably in her mid-50s in the program, and you know... When you do wheel and you go into that back bend, there's there's so much I always explain to my students that it's so mental holding you back. And for some reason it's something about wheel, because we associate it with kid like when my body was really mobile, when I was this, when I was that. Um, so she had accepted she's never going to do that posture. And you know, to a certain degree, you don't push people in that sense, but you want to open their eyes up to the fact that it's possible. So you know, through that program we talk a lot about development, and I remember we were workshopping it one day, so I was walking around and I out of the periphery of my eyes, I saw her literally, she was in bridge, so her arms were down, she wasn't going for it. She looked side to side and just was like, poof. Her hands down, popped right up, screamed, yelled out loud in the middle of the class, and then just came back down, because she could not believe what she was capable of. And to see that literal light, and I saw every part of what was going on in her mind, and it was so cool to see that. And, and just, that was one of the, so simple, but just like, holy crap, I did it. And just that empowerment that came along and literally the light. Like, you saw the light in her light up. And that was one of the most um, very quick, like, instances that, that it really shifted her. You could see it.
0: I like that. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's just with, with anything. You see the most simplest thing, but what effect it has. Oh,
1: she was so empowered. And again, I, you know... It, it's it's just something so cool to watch and it's the most rewarding thing and what I love the most about this, this job. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So if you could strategize out your next, like, five years, mm-hmm. what would be, like, some things that you'd be striving for or are there are like, bucket list goals? And this can be within yoga or just within life or whatever you want it to be.
1: Um, so... You know, in terms of Novena, I definitely have some, some goals within the next five years that, you know, our goals are really focused around the community. And um, so we are trying to build in a way where we can help more of the community. So we work with several karma programs, um, and I would like to be working with more nonprofits within the next five years. Um, my goal is that every teacher within our, within our studio has an outreach class because there's nothing like working in those situations that make you grow as a teacher. Um, so you really, like when I worked at the Compassion House for years, I volunteered there and that was the only class I would never cancel and I never got paid for it. I just volunteered and that was the one that meant the most to me. So I want to be able to provide that for our teachers because it's just the, best way to grow Um, and then obviously it helps the community so we want to be offering this transformational practice anywhere we can go and the people that need it the most Um, in terms of me I I really do have some plans with my previous business has been back burner for a while um, but modern yogi is something that I'm working towards there's a couple bucket lists with that Um, one day I don't know why but I have this idea of wanting to really put my method into a book Um, I don't know what that looks like just yet but that's definitely a maybe 10 yeah um, and we do hope to start a family over the next little while. We don't know when and when it'll, when the time is right we will. So when that happens that shift um, I really want to be able to be an active mom in terms of working but also just really be there for my kids is, is kind of the goal and my, my husband and, and have that family mm-hmm. family time.
0: I like those goals. They're good. Yeah. Cause I, like... I travel more. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Where's a place that you would travel? Like, if you just had to pull the trigger and, like, book the ticket right now.
1: Yeah. Um, well, it's where we're supposed to go. Uh, Portugal. I really want to go there. And I have some great family there, too. But that would be, if I could go tomorrow, I'd be in Portugal.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. What, what aside from family, stands out about uh, Portugal?
1: You know, it's just... It's, it's old Europe, it's so beautiful, it, and it seems to be, I don't know, because I've never been there. I've just seen pictures, and, and, and from what I've been told, but it's just this almost untouched, slightly, in terms of the heaviness of tourists. I know they get tourists in the summer, and they are busy, but it just doesn't seem as intense, whereas when you go, you know, I've been fortunate to go to places like Rome, and things like that, and it's just, it can be almost overwhelming. Um, and I just find that it, Portugal just has so much to offer in terms of the culture, and, and
0: serenity almost
1: like it's peaceful and yeah. it's
0: quiet. Yeah. so yeah yeah I like that like alluding to the the concept of peaceful and serene and all that stuff like that's kind of how I see Hawaii mm-hmm. yeah. like I went on a couple trips so I've been there three times but the very first time I went with uh, three friends okay. and we rented like a Jeep mm-hmm. and the plan was to go tenting and then we forgot to fly for the tent and then, so we stayed one night with, like, just the open, like, the open roof or whatever. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. But then, like, the next few nights, we didn't even, well, I guess the first night, we couldn't find a site. Like, the plane flew in at, like, 9 p.m. or something okay. that is dark. And, like, there's, there's, unless you booked something, there's not much to do. And the whole plan was to camp. Okay. And I think two of us slept in the jeep. And then my friend and I, we found spots on the beach and just like, I like, I wouldn't write a book about how you should go sleep on the beach, but we slept on the beach and it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. there was uh, so many instances where it was like, wow, like life is too short to not sleep on the beach mm-hmm. when the, the worst that could happen is somebody's like, Hey, get off the beach. Like seriously, yeah. Yeah. what are you going to do? Like, I'm just a confused Canadian. I didn't know you can sleep on the beach, but it's just these little moments, and it shaped me so much. Like, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I went on all three trips to Hawaii, and then after the third one, I was like, "All right, uh, it's time to change careers," because like, yeah. if if I'm seeing things that bring me so much joy, like in my life, and mm. it, there's no sense just waiting, waiting, waiting. And I love talking about people's goals on the podcast because like, oh. 10 years, and I'm, like, thinking to myself, two years. Two years and it'll happen, and I'll, I'll be there. I'll be, like, in the little Instagram post and stuff. It's, Not like, really. nothing happens according to plan. No. Ever. No. Nothing happens when you're ready, as much as we always wish we were ready. Mm-hmm. But I don't think most of, like, people that we both know that have been having kids and stuff, like, it could be that they were ready a long time ago. Or maybe they weren't quite ready yet. But it's always like, not when you're expecting it. You're never prepared. You, you couldn't read the book and it couldn't tell you all the things. That's just the way life works.
1: Well, and I think you really have to have that courage to, you know, we always want that moment to be perfect. But, you know, success is when we're we're not ready, but we go for it and we figure it out. Yeah there's no playbook on this for me business was totally new i I mean yoga i know inside and out and still learning i don't know everything but i know a lot and uh, when it comes to business this is a totally new new gig for me so yeah
0: totally well i mean uh in my because i've had some crazy roller coaster last few years because it's Mm -hmm. just like this and that and that and this and every time something happens that is like oh man could it get any worse? And I'm like, Oh, something really cool is about to happen. Cause I've like identified the pattern. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like a, a stressor happens in life and it's like, it could be anything. It could be like a very personal thing. It could be based off of money. It could yeah. be based off of like social environment. Mm-hmm. And as, as long as it's stressful enough to like make me sit down and have to like call my mom and dad or something like yeah. that's when I, I'm like, okay, just get comfy here something really cool is going to happen i don't know when but if i like lean into that process and just kind of that's where community is so important mm-hmm. that's why like that's why at group fitness places they'll have that group where everybody's communing and that's why at a, like i have to give evolve a shout out cuz like my clients love that they can go there and there's dogs and everybody's like, totally. well, everybody's kind of like,
1: too, so I can attest to yeah, yeah, like
0: they're looking over at, at the other people and everybody's just like, they're just kind of pumped to better themselves and totally. they don't have the mirrors. So that's one
1: thing I loved about evolve right away. Yeah. It's super
0: yeah. cool. Yeah. Like, cause your sister's a trainer. Yeah. My sister-in-law okay.
1: works at Evolve North. So, okay. Yeah. So I work out with her. I go all the way to the North End.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, like, totally, yeah. The people find their trainers and they'll travel for it.
1: Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, because
0: yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm lucky a few of my clients travel from the West End, so yeah. Yeah. it's neat.
1: It speaks
0: a lot to me. Eh? Well, you kind of, you find that connection and it's like, yeah, yeah, like I, I couldn't imagine myself doing this with anybody else and that's why it's important to like, when I'm standing next to a bunch of trainers, I, I can't look at it as like, oh, there can only be one and, like, take out my, like, foam roller and beat the crap out of the other ones. Like, yeah. number one, like, odds are one of them's gonna be big and jacked and I'll lose that battle. But <laughs> it's just, like...
1: I love that they're both though because I find like I really didn't like gyms for so long yeah I always felt like oh, it's just such harsh energy like or not harsh um, I guess that energy that I was feeling though was making that critical voice really harsh against myself right and you know even when you would see other girls or, or whatever and and now like it evolved like I see girls in the locker room and we're smiling hi and you know it's really friendly and, and again I think mirrors really take a huge aspect of the mental part of it out you're doing what feels good for you yeah you're not paying attention and whether we're conscious of it or not i've worked in many studios with mirrors and i've worked in studios without and there's no question that people are more connected when there's they're not looking at the physical results of it right they're paying attention to how they feel and you really do feel that at the gym like i the north side's the same way and i really yeah. I like
0: it yeah like they all kind of have the bi- same big green wall same kind of people sometimes yeah. there's like trainers that are working on both and clients that are going to both yeah And, like, there was one thing I overheard. I was just, like, sitting on the bench waiting for my client. Somebody walks in, and they're like, I have never felt such good chi, such good energy in the gym. And I'm like, damn, if that's not a testament to, like, gym atmosphere, I don't know what is. like." (laughs) I know, yeah. Totally. And then this big fluffy dog walks by, and I was like, there we go. That sealed it. Sealed the deal.
1: Literally. How can you not smile when there's a puppy right by you? Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, totally.
0: So if you had to pick one food that you had to eat for every meal for the next year what would that food be
1: you know I'm pretty consistent with my meals and stuff in terms of the day so I have to say um, as you know as yogi as it sounds but I eat a salad for lunch every day but I put a lot of love into my salad so I make my own croutons I roast beets I do everything like my salads are like so I never order them when I go out, basically, yep. because mine are usually better. <laughs> so I literally, if I had to pick one food, it would be a salad with lots of stuff in it and lots of lots of vegetables and things like that. But I love them; I eat them every
0: day. I like that, and yeah. like salads have that like sneaky loophole flexibility to them. One hundred percent. It's me, you know, like,
1: know. like I'll put bacon in there some days. Yeah. You know, like it's not always super healthy, but I love the variety of it, and I never get sick of it. I, my staple lunch because I find you must find this in the industry too. Like you can't I can't eat really heavy in carbs and then go to work. Like I can eat that stuff at night and enjoy it, but but you need things that keep you feeling light and fresh when you're when you're at work, right? Mm-hmm. Moving is, is tricky if you're having a heavy lunch.
0: Well I tend to eat a lot of breakfast style foods just throughout the day, yeah. like lots of eggs and lots of smoothies mm-hmm. and I'm trying to remember what else. I like tuna. Tuna's handy. Oh yeah. <laughs> And I eat that anymore. Obviously, After chicken, things, but yeah. like chicken's one of those evening things because, yeah, that's that leaves you heavy. And it's like, well, you know, totally. if, I'm not going to be feeling so good demoing the lift here. Exactly, right? With all this chicken in my stomach. Yeah,
1: totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah,
0: so salad's my jam. Nice. Yeah, I like it. If you had to pick one place that you were going to go out on date night, like a food place, what would it be? Because we have so many like mm. local businesses in Edmonton.
1: Really hard, and we have a really good food scene in Edmonton. Yeah, um, I mean, like, it depends on what the measure is. Like, my absolute favorite place in terms of consistency and quality um, I love Harbor girl that's like my favorite place to go. Um, but you also don't necessarily like I don't know if I want to go there every week in terms of the atmosphere. Um, places like one of my favorites I've only actually ever been there once, but it was phenomenal. Um, I really like places that are kind of more like. You know, farm to table kind of thing, like Boondock. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I don't like kale, and their kale salad. And yeah, the the salad girl doesn't like kale, but <laughs> I don't, truthfully. Yeah. And their kale salad is incredible. Like literally, um, I'm very passionate about supporting local, so yeah. I really do try to stay away from kind of like, or not stay away, but I just always choose to go to these places because there's so much love and you feel that energy yeah. and that passion in in those kind of more local spots.
0: Well, it's it's really cool because. I've been lucky to be able to speak to some of the owners of, of some of these places and it's mm-hmm. I would know something about their story before but then you kind of you kind of get an idea of like where they came from and it's mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're you're seeing Christina Botello on the billboard when you're driving to work really? or something and it's like yeah like that's my homie up there like Absolutely. she yeah. worked really hard to get I there no she worked hard yeah, yeah, like
1: I don't even know her, and I'm proud to see her.
0: Up it's there. it's crazy, and yeah. then you walk by these businesses, like that's what I really like about opening up my network to other people, mm-hmm. is because I can go for a walk down downtown, and like it really means something to me when I'm like walking and seeing yeah. local businesses and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, like if somebody's listening to this still. It's probably a bit of a long episode, but Mm -hmm. if they're still listening to it, you need to like get out there and understand why, why certain things are what they are and what shaped people, because it brings a lot of meaning. Otherwise, like why, why are you living where you live and neighbors with who your neighbors with? If, if none of that moves you or shapes you, like you gotta, you gotta find and embrace the little things in life. So I have one more question for you, and it's the one that I ask all my guests. If you could give one piece of advice on how to authentically live your life to the fullest, Mm -hmm. what would that piece of advice be?
1: Yeah, good question. So I think that the biggest thing is that we need to find some sort of practice on a daily basis. It's not necessarily the same practice every day, but something that just connects us to that space where you're outside of everything going on around you. Because I really think that, You know, we get so fixated on that feedback and we lose connection with who we are and why we're doing things. We lose that connection of, am I really connected to my core values as I'm moving through this? So I think the best advice is have some sort of practice that lets you come back to being you, whether that's yoga, whether that's meditation, whether it's running, I recommend mishnashing and doing a little bit of everything. Um, You know, if I had time for it every day, I would journal, I would write, I would read, I would meditate, and I would move not really realistic to do that every day but but I can find something one of those every morning where I'm I'm taking some time to myself and that comes back to reaffirming that worth that it doesn't matter how many times I or a million things I have to do, whether it's tending to kids or tending to studio, you know, we all have that time to really just remind ourselves that we're worth it. And if we can do it that way where it's a, a, an everyday thing, it's a practice, it becomes so preventative. It's not like, oh, I need to meditate because I feel like I'm going crazy. It's like you, you, you get it before you get to that state, right? And so you're always keeping yourself in that best version of you because you're giving yourself time to clear out that clutter that doesn't belong.
0: I like that. That's yeah. good advice. Yeah. So thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: You bet. <laughs> All right, everybody, thanks for listening. If you've made it this far, the next episode will be coming out soon. It'll be an out-of-town guest. Um, You'll want to stay tuned for that one. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. If you feel so inclined, share the episode, subscribe to the podcast. And if nothing else, I really appreciate the support. Have a good one.